Good morning. This is the Stream of Random Podcast with your host, Hacker Mike. Coming to you from rainy Trenton, New Jersey, the heart of the state. Today, I even have my rain jacket on. It's drizzling, but I'm still going for my walk. I'm still bringing you the walk cast. And don't ask me why. Well, let's talk about that. Why? What is the purpose of life? And um, why do we do what we do? Yesterday we talked about, um, we talked a lot. But near the end of the show, I went over the idea of um, semiotics as the study of meaning. I touched on it. I didn't go over it because I'm not Umberto Eco, my great hero, the guy who brought us the Foucault pendulum, a great study in conspiracy theory, The Name of the Rose, a great movie with Sean Connery. Now, why they never made Foucault Pendulum into a movie, I understand, because it's too deep. I guess they could make it into a um, telenovela, or like a TV series. <clears throat> Maybe I should look into getting an audiobook version of it. That would even be interesting. Just imagine you're with me on a walk in, um, I'm walking through some apartment complex. Today I decided to stay off the trails because it's raining and they're going to be super muddy. So I'm actually taking asphalt trails today, but I'm trying to pick a route where there's the least amount of cars. And I figured I'm going to go into the heart of the city, Trenton where panhandlers will approach you for a dollar and people get shot just because I don't think there's going to be so many hoodlums standing on the street corners when it's raining so it might be a good time to uh, visit the city now I guess that sounds very condescending or bad for me to say hoodlums but uh Let's just say the people who will walk across the street and ask me for a dollar just because they think that I look like I don't belong there. Anyway, we're talking about the meaning of symbols and and the whole process of symbol creation and utterances, creation of, I mean, you could even say thoughts. And where does this all go? So first of all, um, I've been studying modern philosophy. And basically, if you want certainty, you want truth with a capital T, you have to go to religion. 
Because religion will offer you the ultimate truth on everything. It will tell you how to live, what to do, why you should do it. It will answer all of your questions and even has local representatives that you can go to and who will continue to answer your questions in person. So it's a real full service system for those who need the oil change and the tune up. Just go to your church, get your soul tuned up, and um, you're good to go. Now, if you come to me and you want certainty, that's going to be difficult because I am not certain. And I realize this more and more. So basically, I think, and I've just been thinking about this myself, because that question yesterday really hit me. Like, why? What are we doing? What is the purpose of any given program? Like, the ultimate purpose. And I was listening to the philosophy of Max Weber and that lady, um, Hannah. Now, she was saying that we have three things in life, right? We have our essential duties, we have work that we do for other people, and then we have political action. And how that political action and activism has been reduced in many ways. So we're just living through our work and what we produce and our status symbols. But we're lacking our active actions. So I have taken political actions in my life and I have done some key things. Um, software conferences I've organized and I think those have actually changed some small things or guided or tipped the scale in some certain direction or the other direction or maybe they were just speeding up a process that was already happening. So it's hard to say if even it is real political action or real change, but uh, it felt like it at the time. But that doesn't, that's kind of a perspective on, that's kind of a perspective, a retro perspective of, you know, let's classify things, let's look at it. But what are our goals? And I think, well, one thing I'm struggling with is becoming an organizer um, in order. So I guess it's the conflict between chaos and order in me where I guess part of part of um, of a question of why we do things might be to maintain or create order, right? To establish some kind of organization, some kind of order, and then to maintain that. And part of what we might do is also to remove that order or break it down, to disrupt it. So we have the creation and destruction, 
the Alpha and the Omega of the of the order. And meaning in life, I guess, is also some kind of order. As we said, the ultimate goal of religion is to give meaning to you. And philosophy as well, I guess, would try and give meaning to your life and meaning to what you do. And in our modern society, um, you know, our meaning is given to us, let's say, through our job, right? Or our pleasures. And you more or less pick them, or it's a function of your social sphere or connections, your structures, and um, somehow you're picking your hobbies, you're picking your job. It also depends on your aptitude and training and your what you're exposed to, what you're able to do. So there's different um, different levels to things. So let's go over this real quick, and I don't want to go too deep into it. Um, but basically. You know, we're all part of the society that we live in, and we try and fit in, somehow avoid problems, benefit the people around us. But these are all micro goals. And I'm just thinking about my grandma. She tried to instill values in us. And, um,. So a value-driven or ideal-driven uh, society um, is what they were talking about yesterday. So do you have ideals that you try and live up to? And that's like part of the Greek or um, the Greek philosophy, the system of ideals before science, before the Enlightenment. So we can call that the old system and um, they worked on classifications and categories of ideas okay I have to get off this main street because these cars are loud see this is what happens uh, if I'm walking through the city you get cars all of this used to be woods and now it's houses colonization, urbanization, that's what we call progress, but I'm happy that the progress has not expanded too much, but I get to live on the edge of progress.
where there's still some nature. And I consider that to be progress that they can preserve at least some of nature somehow. So the end of the trains has really brought on these wonderful trails. So that's good in a way. We bring all the industry back, we're going to bring back those trains, and then we're going to have less nature and more pollution. Also, the Delaware River is finally getting cleaned up. But uh, if we bring all those factories back from China, we're going to have some serious pollutants in that river, more. And they already have problems with water quality here in Trenton, if you ever followed the news. So, I think we're getting into this whole idea of uh, idealism, ideals versus modern life. And, um,. I guess you could just see us as, this is what the lady was saying, that we're just cogs in a machine. <clears throat> and that we don't really have a higher purpose. Except to function as part of some larger system. So that kind of brings me back to what we talked about yesterday with the um, seeing things as functions in some kind of security system where things are encrypted and um, you don't have the keys. You don't know where the keys are coming from. Or even if you have a key... I mean, basically the point is, is that the data... If you ever looked at security code and like encryption code, it's pretty much opaque. There's a lot of mathematics, and there's not a lot you can understand. I mean, you can understand the algorithm, and if you follow that closely, you will be able to decode it. But everything else is basically opaque, not visible. And that is... Um, I think a good analogy for our life, like we're just functions in some highly secure system, and uh, we're on a need-to-know basis, doing things on little parts of our puzzle, decoding and encoding, decrypting and encrypting stuff. Doing little processes, but the bigger picture of why the architecture is somehow hidden from us. And I guess that's going to get into this whole issue of, I mean, I hate to say it, Freemasonry with a grand architect. I mean, I said architect. 
the master builder who has created the universe. So, I mean, we laugh and we can just throw in some random replacements for these things. Like we talked about the fungus, intergalactic fungus as being the grass, the grand architect of our lives. Um, but that's just a replacement for some kind of need that we have for a purpose, for a, a direction. Yeah, so this is where we get into like functional programming, where in functional programming you're also just worrying about your little function at any given point. Um, sure, you're worried about architecture as well, but you're mostly concerned with whatever it is that you're working on. I'm starting to uh, re-read my Haskell books, or Haskell. <clears throat> so, it's amazing how you can declare programs in Haskell. It's a real head trip. It's like, oh, that's how it works. So I need to do some more of that's how it works times to just wrap my head around things and you know a colleague of mine said hey this um, this Haskell is so much like math and you can basically implement math directly in Haskell so if we take math as a um, universal language, then we can use that as our specification. And there's some really crazy specification and proof languages uh, that we can get into, that I've looked into, uh, and they're just totally annoyingly mind-blowing and difficult. But it's been done. I mean, people have proven things mathematically. I just don't understand the proofs. So I guess we could go there and we could look for mathematical proofs um, that we won't understand or will struggle to understand. And basically say, the purpose of this program is to do this and we can prove it's correct. And we can prove that the mathematical formula is correct. And then we can prove that the code implements that formula correctly. So that will give us some great uh, formalism. So to fulfill that need for understanding why, like it'll give you a, a higher level meaning. And then you can go on and say, well, why is that proof correct? Like, who can prove that the proof is correct? 
Well, what's the whole idea of proof? What does it mean? I mean, that's what we really need to, uh, I need to understand better. Because I struggle with those proofs. Some, at some point, you just have to, I guess you can just validate everything yourself, in theory, or then trust in it. So, let's just break this down, and let's give some generalizations here. So we have our work, we have our labor, we have our political actions. Those are some kind of classifications of what we do. We have different things that we do, and sometimes those things break down. <clears throat> and we try and resolve them. And that resolution might be quick or might be slow or might not even work. We might not ever resolve some things. And the process of that resolution is our thought process in some way, our understanding. Might just be questioning things like, why is it like this? Why is it like that? And we look for answers. So we're bringing things from one level to another, from one domain to another. We're going from one domain is a good word, one area, one area of organization to another level of organization. You know, you go from programming to math, from math to logic or proofs. And eventually you get into semiotics or meanings. I mean, eventually you're just going to get into the brain and you're going to get lost somehow. Like I do so many times. Getting lost in the mind, in this attic of the disorganized mind, rummaging through boxes with no labels. Or if you're an organized person, everything will have make sense to you. And you'll say, oh, well, this is clearly because of that and this and that and we have a structure and we have an organization but once things get complicated enough again and there's so many unknowns then it'll appear as chaos And we're going to start that whole process over of observation, apprehension, and applying the mind to classify and organize and understand, to map onto a different level. So I'm not really giving any answers here because I don't have them. But what I'm saying is that there's a mapping of, onto a different level.
and that is part of the understanding the um, creation of classes and symbols the um, assigning of names and labels grouping of things creating statistical models that's one part of the brain mapping of one model to another of some kind transfer learning communicating of models ontology of some kind and and this is really where we're getting into I mean like web ontology language this is where we're kind of getting into um, philosophy and semiotics like once we get into the area of communicating things between people sharing of knowledge and progress it starts to get fuzzy This is where we get into definitions and, um, you know, language and scopes and why are we doing something and what is the purpose of it. It's not trivial. It's not trivial to give any simple answer to the purpose. You can't just say, well, the purpose is five. Or 42 is the meaning of life. Some simple answer. So, I think at some point, we're just going to put it on a whiteboard, a blackboard, and assign it a unique identifier of some kind, and call it an unresolved question. Okay, so we have unresolved questions as to purpose, and eventually the purpose might be simple, like, oh, that's used by that, that's produced by that. It's an input or an output to something, or it's something like a model or a class, some simple resolution. Or it might be more complicated. Well, that's the result of some process, some complicated process. But eventually we're going to reach the edge of our understanding where everything becomes unknown and complicated. Where we're just confronted by a sea of unknowns. where our understanding is limited. And that's kind of like the base state of a human. You know, we're born into this world, like this rabbit in front of me. We're trying to collect food, procreate. We're, we're running our genetic system, following our genes. Then communication is emerging or behavior, and that's copied. A system of memes evolves. 
and whatever works whoever's successful will continue and those who are not successful they will die and won't continue and eventually you'll have the survival of the fittest I hate to say it but even in memes whatever survives will survive whatever's popular will you know we're wearing bell bottoms but those could also just be trends or generational symbols I think a lot of it's generational symbols where a given meme or a given fashion or mode is just a symbol that's being used for one generation as their mating symbol like a girl will like this weird music and they can be sure that this one song won't be played by older people so that becomes their identity and if a disco or someone's blasting that music um, that's like a mating call and it won't be understood by people from previous generations and that's the point to exclude them to say okay this is this generation's symbol the exclusion of others and I guess that could be the same of um, the JavaScript libraries and code trends in computing that are not necessarily so by saying that you want this someone who's an expert in this latest um, JavaScript library I guess you could be saying you want someone who's young who's under a certain age something to think about I've had a hard time getting involved with JavaScript let me tell you it just goes against everything that I understand and believe in been difficult for me so I think we have concluded this deep thought on the meaning of life and um, I hope you enjoyed it that's it for today we're not gonna do hour-long podcast this is kind of like a summary of what we talked about yesterday in some way and uh, I will get back to you in the next episode <laughs>